You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 968 of the Locked On Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Rowland. Coming to you on a Friday evening into Saturday, and today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar. Go to BuiltBar.com, use the promo code LOCKED15, 15% off on your next order with Built Bar. Today's show will focus on what became a 120-108 to 108 victory for the Hawks. A Certainly a roller coaster night, but also a very, very nice win for the Hawks overall over the Bulls. Definitely a tale of two halves kind of thing here, but we'll talk about that as we get going here. And a fantastic night from Trey Young. Uh, Gallinari had a nice fourth quarter. All kinds of challenges along the way, so a pretty interesting game to break down, and thank you for joining us on the podcast today. Uh, before we get to the game itself, the Hawks had some injuries, as they have throughout the season, but they got a couple guys back in this game that was big. Um, on Wednesday, they missed both Click Capella and Dino Gallinari against the Grizzlies, and the results were pretty ugly there, but they were questionable in this game, ended up both playing. That was very helpful. The Hawks did still miss four guys, though. Uh, Collins, Reddish, Hunter, and Dunn. Um, by the way, just for a tally of games missed now in a row, Collins has missed six in a row, Reddish has missed 23 in a row, Hunter's missed nine in a row, and also 31 of the last 33. So uh, a long, t- a lot of absences for a while now. Um, not a lot of fun there, but still uh, they're able to function without these four. If it's beyond that, it gets a little bit dicey, as we saw on Wednesday, but um, once Capella was back in particular and Gallinari in this game was big as well in the fourth quarter, that was very helpful. The one injury update that was provided a little bit on Friday is that McMillan said that there's nothing new on Chris Dunn, and but the Hawks have not done anything sort of in terms of live scrimmaging recently, and that, that sort of accounts for that. So people are always uh, asking about Dunn's status because, of course, Travis Schleich mentioned at one point at the end of March, and they've kind of alluded to him getting closer, but uh, still one hurdle to cross, and it's the live scrimmaging portion, which they have not done any of this week because of the schedule, and the Hawks playing five games in seven days. So a tough schedule throughout the season, but that definitely is the case in this spot. Um, the Bulls had actually lost six in a row to end March, and they actually won three in a row before this game, so they were kind of hot at the same time, a back-to-back for Chicago, so a, I would say an advantage for the Hawks there rest-wise. Um, that m- might have been counteracted, though, by the fact that the Bulls were actually healthy. In this game, and the Hawks, of course, are not. They're missing Garrett Temple, but basically everybody else played for Chicago. And actually coming into the game, our friends at Online made the Hawks two-and-a-half-point favorites at home. A fairly small number, but because of the injury stuff and the fact that the Bulls have been playing pretty well, that kind of explains that. And I'll say this, looking ahead, if you didn't watch this game, the first half was all Bulls, and the second half was all Hawks. So back and forth, back and forth. We'll get into that right now. Um, I'll, I'll say this. The story of the first half... Um, broadly speaking, was Zach Levine. Zach Levine was out of his mind before halftime, and the Hawks were trying to stop him defensively and not having a lot of success. Levine had 10 points in the first two minutes on four shots, a personal 10-4 to run by Levine. They had Herder on him to start with. That's the move among that starting lineup for the Hawks. So the Hawks have been starting this group with Trey Young, Kevin Herder, and Bogdan Bogdanovic as the three perimeter players. Which, I get it, those are probably the three best guys they could start right now. At the same time, the fit there is not ideal against a smaller guard that is good. And uh, we saw in the second half of this game, the Hawks leading on Tony Snell and some doubling and all that stuff. But, um, you know, it's, both can be true. I think Herter is the best option. Also not, a good, also not a good option against Levine. We saw that 
at the outset here. Not a lot of resistance overall defensively in the first half for the Hawks, and they let Levine get comfortable. Obviously, he's a fantastic player. He's been red hot all season long, and there's a lot of skill involved when you score the way he did in that first half. But what the, the Hawks kind of started slowly on him, and once he got settled in, it was kind of curtains, and he was able to throw the ball in the ocean from that point forward. Anyway, the Hawks did score at a pretty decent clip in the first half. Um, dunks early from Capella, uh, and then a young to hurt or lob. Actually, Trey accounted for 10 of the first 12 points. He was fantastic in this, really in the entire game. A couple of floaters as well, offensively. The rotation was pretty much the exact same that they've been using for quite a while now. A nine-man group. They basically played Gallinari and Snell as the first subs. Then Williams and Okongwu played together alongside Trey at first, and then alongside Herter after that. Second half, they kind of had to change it up a little bit because Tony Snell was needed on defense, and then Tony Snell actually got hurt in this game, and we'll talk about it more later on. But they uh, first half was kind of a carbon copy of what they've been doing rotationally for a while now under McMillan. Um, there was a really nice drive one to mention from Kevin Herter at the end of the first uh, first quarter. A nice ISO drive for a layup and finished well over Vucevic. A nice little highlight there. But offensively, it was not the problem in the first quarter. It was defense. They trailed 33-25 to in the end of the first quarter after never leading at all in the entire first half. Uh, the Bulls shot very well from 3-5-6 in the first quarter. And, you know, it's one of those things, and I'll say this again about the second quarter, but the, the Hawks did not play good defense in the first half. Also, though, at the same time, the Bulls were unsustainably hot. So it was kind of a perfect storm as a result. Like I said before, the Hawks' offense was pretty decent in the first quarter. They did not shoot well from three in the entire game. But other than that, they had everything else going. They had 16 points in the paint in the first quarter. And uh, Trey had 12 points despite not making a three in the first 12 minutes. Um, the second quarter was more Levine, who was just totally out of his mind, honestly. Um, the Hawks did make a sort of a, a little flourish early in the second quarter with a couple of Lou Williams to Okongwu alley-oop plays for dunks. That was good to see. Um, but Okongwu had some foul trouble. They had to go back to Capella a little bit earlier than they wanted to. The Hawks did cut it all the way to one at one point in the early part of the second quarter. Then Levine got going from there, and the Bulls were in the bonus as well, which made things uh, even more difficult for the Hawks' defense. Uh, but Levine scored 10 points in about two minutes to give them an 11-point lead. At that point, he had 33 points in his first 14 and a half minutes on the court, which is just impossible. Uh, but he was unconscious in this game. Uh, he had 39 in the in the first 18 minutes, which is just, uh, it's wild. 39 points in the first half. That's the most points scored in a first half by any NBA player this season. And he did it in sub-20 minutes of play uh, in the first period. In fact, he scored 25 in a row for the Bulls at one point in the first half. So, like I said, a combination of Levine being awesome and bad defense, and that's where you get... To there. Um, from the, late in the first half, the Hawks actually threw Solomon Hill, who was the starting power forward on Levine, trying to get some more length on him. Trying to, try, you know, they tried to double him after the halftime break. McMillan said this after the game. They, they tried to box in one. They brought Snell in. They were trying everything on, on Levine by that point, but he was too settled and too hot. He did obviously cool off a little bit here. It's had 50. I almost said only. I guess only 50 is appropriate when you have 39 in the first half. But um, I even would have maybe tried Goodwin. Something to try to throw somebody off. This is the wrong night to have no Chris Dunn and Reddish and Hunter, your three best perimeter defenders. That's definitely a problem. And uh, there you go on that. At any rate, though, the bright, the bright side was the Hawks were down only 13. Now, that, that sounds kind of crazy. But at home, a uh, little bit of a punch there. And with the way Levine shot it and the way the Bulls shot it in the first half, to only be down 13 was not as bad of a result as you might think. For instance, the Bulls had about 70% true shooting clip in the first half. 
They get, they scored almost 1.4 points per possession. That was never going to was never going to sustain. And as I said before, the offense was pretty decent in the first half. So if you factor in some regression, the Hawks were in pretty decent shape, but still down 13. So you're still, you're still an underdog there at that point, obviously, even with Trey playing well. But um, things pivoted from that point forward, and the Hawks played so much better after halftime. We'll talk about that more in a second. But first, a word from our sponsors on the podcast, and the first of which is Built Bar. Built Bar is spectacular, and if anything, it's more delicious than ever. Built Bar has a ton of amazing flavors that we've been talking about for quite some time on the podcast. That includes options with or without nuts, and it also features some of my personal favorites like lemon almond cheesecake and cookies and cream. Each and every bar is covered in 100% chocolate, and they're also soft and easy to chew, making the entire experience all that much better. And Built Bar is also great if you're trying to be health conscious. You can maintain or even lose weight while enjoying something that tastes absolutely incredible. Built Bar is also low calorie, low sugar, high protein, and high fiber. And Built Bar is even great for the keto diet. My personal favorite, as I said a number of times, is cookies and cream. And the profile there from the health perspective is awesome. 17 grams of protein, 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, and only 4 grams of net carbs. It is a fantastic time to check out BuiltBar.com. Yes, that's BuiltBar.com. If you go there right now, you have 15% off with the promo code LOCKED15. If you use that promo code, once again, it's LOCKED15. That's 15% off on your next order with BuiltBar.com. Check it all out. There's plenty to check out at BuiltBar.com, and I recommend all the flavors. You can find it all at BuiltBar.com, and you can try BuiltBar today. One more time, promo code LOCKED15, 15% off at BuiltBar.com. All right, so the first half was not as much fun for the Hawks and Hawks fans as the second half, and we'll start there now. Uh, the Hawks came out of the gate very hot in the third quarter. That was a good sign after the way things transpired in the first half. The Hawks scored nine points on their first four possessions, which is a, a pretty good ratio if you do the math there. To cut the lead down to six, Trey Young accounted for seven of those points. He had 23 with about 10 minutes left in the third and stayed hot the rest of the way. Um, they brought in Tony Snell a lot earlier than usual in the rotation in the third quarter. That was the first rotational change was that the, you know Snell was clearly the best defensive option on Zach Levine. And Snell's not a great defender on a guard like Levine, but he is better than Herter. He's better than Bogdanovich. He's better than Hill. He's their best guy that they had active. Unless you count Brandon Goodwin, who did not play at all in this game, Snell, at least with his size and length, can at least try to bother Levine. So they that was the first adjustment, other than to try to blitz him, and the Hawks tried everything in the second half. They, they played a boxing one on him with, with Tony Snell. Uh, they were blitzing him. They were double-teaming him basically at the half-court line, which is like the full James Harden defensive treatment. They were trying everything on Zach Levine once he was so hot. But one of the things they did was to put Snell in there. That was a good decision, I think. At any rate, uh, Trey was good early on. He had 10 points on his own about the first four minutes of the second half. And then the big run that the Hawks needed to have happen came in the third quarter. Bogdanovich hit a couple of jump shots. Trey hit a uh, split a free th- pair of free throws to get back within one. The Hawks had a bunch of chances, actually. It was kind of frustrating. The Hawks kept, they were down by two or three for a lot of the third quarter. And uh, finally, finally, finally tied it late. Um, but in the middle of that little uh, back-and-forth run, McMillan and Trey were both absolutely irate about a foul call that was ruled to be on the floor instead of shooting. It was a pretty obvious shooting foul. It was a bad call pretty pretty clearly, but it was uh, it was kind of entertaining to see Nate lose his mind there. But they were right about that one. That was a bad call. At any rate, Trey, Trey uh, ties it with, with sort of a scoop shot with about a minute and a half to go in the third, and then a Kongwu gets a tip-in for the lead to kind of complete the comeback once and for all. Um, Trey had 17 in the third quarter, had 35 through three quarters, so he was fantastic. Uh, In comparison, the Bulls had 18 points in the third. So Trey nearly outscored the Bulls in the third quarter. The Hawks shot 65% from the floor in the third, and the Bulls finally cooled off. They were 1 of 11 from three in the third quarter after being just out of their minds in the first half. So some regression there. Levy only had five points, and the Hawks took control 
as a result. It wasn't like the Hawks didn't get challenged, though, from that point forward. Um, in the fourth quarter, actually, it was an 11-4 run by the Bulls to open it up, and they actually took a five-point lead again, which is kind of easy to, easy to forget now because the, so the Hawks kind of dominated the second half. That one run, you know, something the Bulls, in fact, the Bulls led by seven at 99-92. So that was fairly late in the game. Um, and from that point forward, it was 28-9 to in favor of Atlanta down the stretch. It was a 10-2 run right away. Uh, with Gallinari hitting a three to take the lead finally back. And Gallo, who started very slowly in this game, was awesome in the fourth quarter. They traded baskets again. Then Gallinari had another three. The Capella had a nice layup off a nice pass from Trey Young to go, go up by six. In fact, Trey had three assists in a row at a great time. His passing was otherworldly in the fourth quarter, just creating everything, drawing the defense, and then actually has Flurry game going in a big way as well. But a uh, 21-4 to overall run for the Hawks once they got down by seven to uh, put the game away, basically. Capella uh, put, it, put you know kind of put the stamp on it, do it by 10. And uh, while the Bulls finally scored, they only had four points in about a seven-and-a-half-minute period, which tells you that, A, Atlanta's defense was definitely better than it was in the first half, no question. They also just kind of cooled off and lost their legs. I wonder if a little bit of that had to do with Chicago being in a back-to-back. They looked like they were definitely more lethargic after the halftime break, maybe a little bit tired. At the same time, Gallinari was great, and so was Trey, and Capella was good too. Gallo hit, hit, sort of hit the dagger with about a minute to go, but put the game away up, up by 116 to 106, and it was academic from there. So, obviously a lot of runs to touch on, as we talked about there, but um, the Hawks were just awesome in the second half of this game. Uh, essentially, yeah, they outscored the Bulls 67 to 42 after halftime, which tells the story. Uh, for the full game, the Hawks had 66 points in the paint. That's a lot. That's uh, I would say that's a almost double what they average in the paint. They shot about 79% in the restricted area for the game. That's ridiculous. Um, and offensively, you know, Trey was. We'll talk about individuals in a second, but Trey was awesome. Uh, the Hawks only had nine turnovers. That's an, that's a great figure for a full game for Atlanta. They shot 70% on twos in this game. And the crazy thing about this is the Hawks are not like a totally reliant on three-point shooting by any means, but the Hawks scored about 1.25 points per possession, which is elite. And they did that with seven out of 27 from three. The only guy who shot the ball well from three in this game was Gallinari. And even then, he only had a good fourth quarter. He was actually cold before that. So the Hawks did not shoot the ball well at all in the perimeter in this game. But they attacked the rim, Trey made his floaters, and uh, got, to the, got to the line for 23 attempts. And that's the recipe for what transpired offensively. They didn't, like, dominate the glass. They only had 25 assists, which is just okay. So it was basically, they just shot the heck out of the ball from two-point range. 70% on twos and not turning the ball over is a good recipe for success. And that was uh, what they kind of used to overcome the Bulls. Um, defensively, it was a bit of a roller coaster ride. As I, said, as I said before, the first half was unsightly, we'll say. The Bulls were 10 of 15 from three at halftime, and again, there's a little bit of noise in there, Levine was, his shot making was crazy, but some bad defense too, and then in the second half, it was uh, just like night and day, honestly, um, the Bulls were 3 of 18 from 3 after halftime, so noise, but better defense too, um, they definitely keyed on Levine smartly, getting the ball out of his hands once he was going crazy, the Bulls still scored about 1.13 points per possession for the game, so not great defense, but truly, like, it was so much better after halftime, and, you know, what are you going to say? It's It was not a great defensive performance by, by the Hawks whatsoever. It's Again, it's it's worth noting, I try not to repeat myself all the time about this, but the Hawks are playing without their three best perimeter defenders right now. 
And John Collins, who's not like a you know all-time stopper defensively, is better than most other guys on this team defensively. So you're missing another guy there as well. So they're pretty sure-handed defensively. Uh, Capella can only do so much. He's obviously quite good on the back end. But Atlanta uh, got to got to clean up a little bit after halftime, and that is enough with the Bulls cooling off in the way that they did. So uh, we'll have plenty more on the game itself, but I wanted to sort of give you the uh, the broad takeaways there. And honestly, simply put. A game in which Zach Levine scores 50 points on the road in Atlanta on really efficient shooting, and the Hawks shoot 727 from three. If I only told you those two things, the Hawks don't win this game very often. Uh, they obviously can win it. They did win it in this game, and they won it by 12, which is the other crazy part. The Hawks win this game by double digits is not what was expected at really any point in the game. But that formula of Levine going crazy and the Hawks not shooting the ball well. Uh, is not one that you would like to follow very often, but Trey was remarkable, as we'll get into in a second. Capella was good, Gallinari, and they did enough on defense to get the win. All right, before we get to the individual breakdowns, a look at the standings, etc., a word from our sponsors on today's podcast, and the first of which is BetOnline.ag. BetOnline is the fastest and the easiest way to bet on all of your sports action. Football is not happening right now, and I understand that's a lot of people's favorite thing to bet on in the sports world, but there are plenty of other options, including the NBA, of course. You have the NHL, auto racing, golf, tennis, MMA, college sports, everything you can imagine, you can find it at betonline.ag. And BetOnline even covers awards, entertainment bets, TV shows, and reality TV. BetOnline also has real-time updated odds and all kinds of props on almost anything you can imagine. Props are really fun to get into the sports betting world if you've not tried it before. And on top of that, BetOnline has you covered for all the news, scores, and the odds that you need. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head to the website now at betonline.ag or use mobile device to sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit if you use the promo code LOCKEDON. That is 50% and a welcome bonus on your first deposit when you use the promo code locked on at betonline.ag. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. All right, and before we get out of here on this fine Friday evening, we'll talk about the individual players in this game. Uh, nightmare rotation for the Hawks. Um, not a huge surprise, but worth noting there was no Maze, no Goodwin, no Knight, and no Fernando in this game. And uh, rotation questions are interesting. We'll talk about more of this later on when we have more time. But I am wondering aloud what the rotation is going to look like when Hunter and Collins in particular return to action and Reddish on top of that. So guys will stop playing, you would think. Like Solomon Hill is a pretty natural one. Uh, But yeah, we'll see what that looks like. People keep asking me and I have the same questions you do. We'll talk about it in more detail. But uh, a nine-man group right now is kind of been what's been recently. And that was this case in this game. Um, Akongwu was pretty good, I thought. Uh, Foul trouble was plaguing him throughout. He wasn't fantastic, but six points, five rebounds in 11 minutes. Made all three of his shots. I thought he was just fine. Defensively, he's not Capella at this point in time, but he's a good mover. A couple nice flashes from him. It's a bad matchup for him in a lot of ways against Vucevic, who's very, very good for the Bulls. But uh, other than that, I thought Akong was pretty good other than the fouls. Got to watch out for that as a rookie big man. Cut those down a little bit, but uh, I thought he did his job for the most part. Uh, Tony Snell ended up playing 15 minutes only in this game, and that's because he left the game with an injury. Tony um, with about uh, 2.49 or so in the third quarter. Left this game. We didn't know it at the time, and I didn't know this even until uh, until they announced it. But the Hawks said he has a right ankle sprain, and McMillan said after the game that he stepped on somebody's foot over the course of action, and he'll have actually going to have an MRI on Sunday. Uh, sorry, on Saturday, not Sunday. Um, hopefully, I mean he seemed not too worried, but it's one of those things where uh, an MRI could reveal 
whatever, and ankle sprains are a little bit tricky. So we'll see what happens there with Tony. Obviously, the Hawks cannot afford any more losses on the perimeter, and Snell has been so good for them this year. He's not a star by any means, but his shooting's been, you know, obviously ridiculous all season long, and then defensively, he does his job as well. So that's a loss. Hopefully, the Hawks will have him back. Uh, I'd be surprised if he played Sunday by what I, you know, him not playing in the fourth quarter here tonight and having the MRI. Maybe he's back quickly, but I'd be a little bit surprised because it's a, it's a Sunday afternoon game, so pretty quick turnaround here between now and then. But uh, on the court, Tony did his job in that he was a big factor in them sort of slowing down Levine in the second half. Did have two steals and an assist. Missed his only shot attempt. Only took one shot in 15 minutes. That's the one thing about Snell. He's, he's not exactly a, uh, a volume shooter by any means, but he did, he, he was fine in this game. Uh, Lou Williams was kind of quiet. Eight, uh, did have nine points and five assists, though, which is good to see in, in 17 minutes. They went away from him in the fourth because Trey had it going, and that was the right decision. But I thought Lou was fine. He did a, he, did, he did his job. Uh, he was actually the only guy. Uh, it was actually no, sorry, Lou and Solomon Hill were in the negative and the plus minus. But I, that's not necessarily indicative of Lou. I think it was mostly Levine. He was on the court for that Levine explosion in the second quarter, which did most of that damage. Um, lastly, on the bench, Gallinari had sort of an interesting game. Um, through three quarters, Gallo was one of seven from the floor with five points. And was kind of struggling, honestly. Uh, I think at one point he might have been, he might have actually been one of nine at one point in the fourth. But uh, in the fourth quarter, he scored 15 points on five of nine shooting only in that period. He had a couple of huge shots. Um, I would argue maybe the biggest shot of the game was the three that he hit to put them up by two. Sorry, put them up by one. And then another one shortly after that put them up by six. So... Obviously, you don't want to like sort of uh, go through that too uh, with a fine-tooth comb, but I thought Gallinari was pivotal in the fourth quarter, and it's interesting to see that because he's the kind of guy there he can he can have a bad night and then come alive for a quarter and win you a game, and that kind of happened in this spot. He was plus 13, 20 points, six rebounds, two steals, and assist. Um, didn't shoot well from two. It was two of eight from two. He cut, he, I would say missed a bunch of like his patented you know 12 foot fadeaways. Ended up shooting four of eight from three. That's the line for four of four. So he was a big part of the reason why they put this game away in the fourth quarter. So uh, not great for three quarters. Awesome in the fourth, and he'll take that all day long. Uh, to the starters in this game. Uh, you know, I will say this. The only guys who I thought were, like, capital G good were Young and Capella, but it wasn't too bad for a couple other guys as well. The guy who was quietest was Solomon Hill. Uh, no points, 0 of 2 from the floor, three rebounds, an assist, and a steal. Uh, not the best solo game. They did. A, it, was, it was amusing to me that they, they definitely spent time with him on Levine as sort of a last-stitch effort, and he did a decent job when he was asked to do that, but not his best. Um, you know, people always ask me why, why why he would start over Gallinari. It's mostly just role stuff. No one thinks that he's better than Gallinari. Gallinari played eight more minutes than Solomon Hill did. Um, McMillan seems to be pretty big on keeping guys in their roles whenever possible, and that means Solomon. Uh, that, that means Gallinari coming off the bench. Uh, I think that, yeah, like, like I sort of alluded to earlier, it would not surprise me if they got Collins and Hunter back if Hill started playing very little. But he did. He's they, they like they like his presence out there, his defensive chops, his off-ball chops, all that stuff. Um, the starting wings were kind of quiet in this game, but not in a terrible way. I think they both played well offensively. Maldonimich had 10 points on 10 shots, which isn't great, but not terrible. 0 of 4 on 3s, 5 of 6 on 2s, 4 rebounds. Two assists and a block shot, plus 17 though. Uh, Kevin Herter, similar line, 11 points and 5 of 8 from the floor, 1 of 4 from 3, 5 assists, 2 steals, and a block. Um, obviously, they had all kinds of trouble with Levine in the first half. Mostly Herter, but even by Dynamich, I guess he probably did a little bit better, but it's a bad matchup for him too because he's not exactly the quickest guy. He's more of a physical defender on the wing. But, you know, 
what are you going to do? Uh, they're not going to be able to stop Zach Levine, but offensively, they made some plays when they needed him to, and they were uh, sort of, I would say, average-ish for what they normally perform. Uh, Capella, good game here, 22 points, 10 rebounds, 2 blocks. He definitely uh, sort of played Vucevic to a draw, which is just fine. Vuce is a good player. So Capella making a bunch of plays, especially the second half. He was a great cleanup guy. Um, efficient around the rim as well. I know, I know a friend of the podcast, Tower Jones, was on the show yesterday. We'll be, we'll be appreciative of this. But Clint was 10 of 12 on the floor. So a nice step forward there. And 2-3 from the free throw line. It was a good night for Clint. He wasn't dominant, but he was good. And then defensively, he was a big part of the second half surge. And then Trey Young, who was honestly awesome in this game. Uh, it's We've been talking about this for a while. Tyler and I talked about it yesterday. I, t- I tweeted about it a little bit. I think Trey has been maligned too much in some circles recently. Uh, but he's not been shooting the ball incredibly well. And in this game, he's actually one of six from three. But this is a credit to Trey's evolution in that he was able to get to his numbers and really impact the game in a big way without having a three-point shot in this game. 15 of 25 from the floor, which is uh, 14 of 19 on twos. 11 of 14 from the free throw line. Nine assists, including five in the fourth quarter. His passing in the fourth quarter was huge. Eight rebounds. Only four turnovers. was plus 20 at game best. And was just brilliant. I mean, I will say this about the Bulls. They had a pretty sound game plan in terms of what to do with Trey. They were definitely going to make him shoot in floater range in this game, which usually is like a pretty good statistical decision. Trey's floater has come and gone this year. It's a strength of his normally, but even then, it's floaters are not the most efficient shots in the world, and if you look at, at Trey's uh, shot chart, which I think Kevin Chenard of Hawks.com tweeted out at one point uh, after the game, it was a lot of floaters in this game, which, you know, not always what you want, but he had it going from the early portion. I think I tweeted that in the first quarter. Like, he definitely had the feel for his floater in this game from the outset. The Bulls didn't really adjust, and Trey just got there over and over and over again and made them pay. And the one thing about Trey is if he has either his floater game or his three-point shot, he's going to be in good shape. If he's got both, it's obviously just over for you. And then the one thing you can't do, if you're going to let him get to the lane and get his floater, you can't foul him, and he had 14 free throw attempts. So he was really good in this game overall. Like I can't overstate it. Trey took this game over in the second half. Uh, first with his scoring, in the third with 17 points, and then the fourth quarter with his passing. It was a pretty much a tour-de-force effort. You know, it's not like he's never been this good ever, because he definitely has been, but he was uh, awesome. I would argue that he might have been the best player on the court in this game, and Zach Levine had 50 points. So that tells you what I think about the way that Trey played. He was really, really good. Can't overstate it, and uh, great to see him having sort of a breakout, because obviously he's had some good games recently, but this is one of those where he uh, takes things to a different level. And uh, 24 points after halftime will tell you the story on Trey. All right, um, that's enough of that for this game. Last thing here, the standings. The Hawks get the win, obviously. They are 28-25 and 25 now. The Hornets also won on the road in Milwaukee. Um, so they're now tied still with the Hawks for fourth. Miami was off, so they're uh, a half game back in sixth. And then both Boston and New York got wins in this game. In this game. Uh, on this night on Friday. So no real change in the standings, honestly, other than the Hawks and the Hornets will face off with fourth place on the line on Sunday. That's the next game the Hawks have, actually, is on the road in Charlotte, a 1 o'clock p.m. Eastern tip-off on Sunday, a rare early afternoon game. In fact, the Hawks have a Sunday night, Sunday afternoon game two weeks in a row because next next Sunday they're at home at 1 p.m. So circle that one. Uh, I'll have a podcast after that game. It's going to be a little bit later. It's probably going to be, I think, probably the midnight hour, um, Sunday night into Monday. So don't think, don't panic if there's not a show immediately after the game. I have several commitments between the Masters 
and brave stuff and all kinds of stuff. But I will have a podcast for you for Monday morning, so don't panic. Um, but that game is happening at one o'clock, and uh, the winner will be in sole possession of the fourth place, I believe, once that game tips. But a nice night for the Hawks overall. A heck of a comeback performance after getting down 13 at the half. And uh, the Bulls are a pretty solid opponent. So getting a nice, comfortable home win is nice to see for Atlanta. All right. It's been a busy week on the podcast. If you missed anything from this week, from game recaps to Tower Jones on yesterday's show and anything else, please subscribe and follow the podcast. Rate, review, tell your friends about the show as well. Uh, I really appreciate all the support, truly, but follow me on Twitter at BT Roland. Follow the show at Locked on Hawks. We'll have a new podcast after the game on Sunday, and we'll see you all next time.